This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning, church. This morning's reading is taken from Matthew 9. and We're reading from verses 9 to 17. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, And so both are preserved. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for this time that we can be in your presence together as a body of believers. We thank you for your word. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you came to save save us. Every one of us a sinner. We thank you that you came for us. Father God, help us as a church to look outside of these walls, to look at the community that we find ourselves in, and to show love, and to show your your mercy, and to show people who you are and what you have done for them. We thank you for that. Help us to be a, a light on this island for you. We thank you that we can come so freely and worship you this morning. We thank you for for your amazing love and your blessing on this church. And we just pray that that, that, that love would go out of this, the, these doors with us um, at the end of this service. We think of those who can't be with us and who are dealing with, with issues in their lives, health issues, or any other issue that they might may be struggling with right now. We just ask that you would guide and direct them, comfort them, and give them peace. Father God, we, we think of, of Pastor Paul as he comes to deliver your message this morning. We thank you for the word that you've laid on his heart. Help us to humbly receive it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you would, just let me just pray to ask for the Lord's help one more time. Father, we are truly unworthy to receive you. Only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can we be acceptable in your sight. And only through his spirit can we 
can we understand what your word says. And only through your spirit can I proclaim what it says. And so help us, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right. Who likes a party here? Anybody like a party? You know, most people like a party, even if they're introverted, but as, as long, if you're introverted, you're only like a party if there's some sort of purpose behind the party. You know what I mean? So, so I'm not talking about the party for the sake of just getting people together. Some of you love that. That's fine. I'm talking about you know, getting together for milestones like birthdays, anniversaries, uh, or, or maybe for an achievement, celebrating an achievement like a, like a graduation or, or some sort of a victory in, in, a, in a sporting event uh, or some other kind of competition. Uh, celebration is something we like to experience together because it's joyful. Right? It's joyful. And that's, that's why we, we go to those type of parties, even if we're not really maybe inclined uh, as, as, a, as a social type of person. Today, we're going to look at a party and the reason behind the party. Okay? Kind of strange for a Bible, but that's what we're, that's what we're going with. And, and we'll also see how this how the theme of Jesus' authority fits into all this party stuff. Okay, so let's, let's start with, with the party. All right, verses 9 through 13. Uh, the party here in the Bible originates because of a call. Okay, this, this, is, not the, this is not the phone call, you know, like my parents are out of town, we're having a party, that's, that's, not this, that's not the call. This is, a, this is a call to follow Jesus. The person being called to be a disciple is none other than Matthew, the writer of this gospel himself. Let me read verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. That, that's all Matthew writes about Jesus calling him. That's, that's it. Right? This is actually quite common with the gospel writers. Okay? They, they put all the focus of their writings on Jesus and, and others, and not so much themselves. I, I think it shows their, their deep humility that developed through through following Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit. So what do we know about Matthew? Well, Mark and Luke refer to his name as Levi at his calling. They, they record his calling as well. But in, but in their lists of disciples, and we'll see that list later in Matthew, that these lists exist in, in Mark and Luke as well, in their lists, they refer to him not as Levi, but as Matthew. So it would seem that Jesus changed his name just like how he does to Simon, who he calls Peter. Both Levi and Matthew, that's one person, okay, 
both Levi and Matthew, those names are common Jewish names. And because this is a, a very Jewish region, we can assume that Matthew is a Jew. He is one of the many tax collectors in the region of Capernaum. He would have heard or seen of Jesus' rise in popularity living in this region. And being a Jew or tax collector, he would have been hated by his fellow countrymen, thought of as a traitor. Can you imagine Matthew's surprise when Jesus called him? He probably, you know, had been, well, he was hearing about and seeing Jesus in the area. And in the middle of his work of collecting tariffs, the very work the Jews hated him for, right? There's that too. It's not like he was at home when, when this call happened. He was in his tax booth. He responds. His response seems hasty. But we must remember that Matthew, again, heard about Jesus, so he, he, he was well aware of who he was in this region. And we're simply told he rose and followed him. He rose and followed him. Luke adds the detail in his gospel account that he left everything as well, which is a big deal because a tax collector is a fairly wealthy job. It, there's, there's high margins because you, you could collect the taxes and then you take off, you skim off the top, right? So if you think someone has a little bit more money and they can afford it, you charge them a little bit more and you get a little bit more, okay? Big margins, right? kind of like the jewelry business, I guess, maybe. Why was there no hesitation, though? Why was there no hesitation? It, there, there had to be something more than, than just, you know, he's seen him around and, and he really wanted to be with him. Right? Because he, he would have known about his sinfulness. Everyone would have made it very apparent to him. Why was there no hesitation? I believe it's because of what we know from last week's message. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. We are all sinners, but Matthew would have known by constant reminder from his fellow Jews that he was a sinner for sure. In fact, Jews thought of the Jewish tax collectors as a special breed of sinners, distinguished from other sinners. Right? We know that because the phrase is often used to describe a group of people, tax collectors and sinners. Like, why can't they just be lumped in with the sinners? Right? So they might, they're being highlighted. We got this special breed of sinners, and then your regular run-of-the-mill sinners. Right? So can you imagine living like that, with that stigma? You're a special breed of sinner. So in Matthew's mind, there was probably no hope that a special breed of sinner like himself could be redeemed until Jesus, the one who has authority to forgive sins, called him to follow him. 
No, no wonder he rose and followed without hesitation. You know, if, if you're here and you think you are some special breed of sinner that has no hope, I want to tell you that there is hope in Jesus. He can call even you. If you know someone you think would be the most unlikely candidate to be a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that Jesus delights in calling the most sinful, the most unlikely to himself. Praise the Lord. You know, if, if, you, if you have that, if, if you are that someone, or, or if you know that someone, if that someone is in your mind right now, can I encourage you to, to love them? Can I encourage you to pray for them? Can I encourage you to share the gospel with them? The good news of Jesus? Can I encourage you to invite them here to church? to receive the welcome of Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners. And then watch. And then watch what only Jesus can do in a life. Now the party. Verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So from Mark and Luke's account, it isn't clear in Matthew's account, but in Mark and Luke's account, we know that this is Matthew's own home. Matthew invites all his associates and anyone else who would give him the time of day, which is pretty much anyone else who is considered a big sinner like him, and he has a party with Jesus as his honored guest. I guess you could say it was also a change of jobs party for Matthew as well. You know, to recline at someone's table in this manner, in this culture, was, was a sign of acceptance. Therefore, in Jesus doing this, he was, he was making the statement that he accepts sinners where they are. Which, which does not mean that he wants them to remain in that state, but he initially accepts them where they are. In, in light of this and this party Jesus is attending, Listen, listen to the reaction from the ones who would have labeled Matthew and reminded him periodically that he was a special breed of sinner. Verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Notice that the Pharisees don't confront Jesus directly. Right? They confront his disciples. The disciples don't say anything. 
they, they probably don't know what to say as they, as they would have grown up learning to distance themselves from certain people who have certain trades like tax collectors or, or prostitutes. Right, so they, they, had a, they had a certain mentality going on. And that same mentality can be found in churches. There is this desire, this good desire to be holy, right? set apart for God, which is a biblical thing. But then equating that with disassociating ourselves from others because of sinful practices. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was holy, but he didn't disassociate himself from others who participated in sinful practices. He was known as the friend of sinners. But, but don't confuse friendship with acceptance of every action and conviction. Okay, true, true friendship consists of both acceptance, that's important, acceptance, and a, a desire for that person to flourish for their own sake. It has the idea of, I'm going to love you just where you are right now, but I love you too much to want you to stay there. That, that's the kind of love that Jesus has for sinners like you and me. And, an unconditional, yet transforming love. See, you, you can accept someone without agreeing with where they're at, but you can't transform anyone. As much as you'd like to, you can't transform anyone. Only Jesus can do that. So, so, so what do you do? Well, you do what Matthew does. You point him to Jesus. He, he brings all of his fellow tax collectors and everyone else who gives him the time of day and brings them to his home where Jesus is. You point them to Jesus. Now, now, Jesus overhears this question. Well, really, it's more of an accusation than a question. And answers them in, in verses 12 and 13. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, there are a few important things in, in this answer from Jesus to the Pharisees. Right, the, the first is in that first verse. Right? Those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. Right, so Jesus is connecting his ministry of healing which has been going on with his ministry to sinners. Remember, he has been miraculously healing people of all sorts of diseases and ailments. 
And in the last healing of the paralytic, Jesus forgives his sins first and then heals his paralysis. Right? The sick need healing, and Jesus healed them. The sinner needs forgiveness, and Jesus healed them. Only the Pharisees saw this, saw the, saw this failing of, of people, like the tax collectors. Right? Jesus sees their need more than their failing. How, how do you see someone who is living in the bondage and blindness of their sin? Do you only see the reality of their fallenness? Or do you see their greater need for healing and freedom? The best way to see their need is to remember your own need. You were once dead in your sin too. The, the Apostle Paul reminds the church at Ephesus about this in, in, in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Before he talks about the glorious gospel that he reminds them of, he talks about where they were at first. Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We, we can't lose sight of that. So we can see that need within other people, more than their fallenness, their need. Second thing that, that, we, that we notice here in Jesus' answer um, comes in the next verse. Right? Go and learn what this means, verse 13. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, so when Jesus says, go and learn what this means, okay, th this is like a rabbinic expression. Right? An expression from the teachers of the day. He, he is taking the position of authority that the Pharisees believe they have over Jews and over Jesus himself. Right, this, this was a phrase that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, would have been very familiar with because they would have said it to their own students and to, and to many others who, who came to them. It's, it's the equivalent of saying, go back and study that again because you didn't get it. <laughs> right? So th th this, is, this is pretty big. That Jesus is putting his authority now over the authorities of the day and culture. Then Jesus quotes from Hosea 6.6. 6. This is where this, verse comes or this quote comes from. For I desire mercy or steadfast love you could translate it either way, and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. In context here, Hosea is delivering God's message to the people of God who are preserving the appearance of following God without any heart behind it. 
They, They are basically going through the religious motions toward God without any desire to change their sinful ways. That's not what God desires. God says he desires mercy because that's what we need most because we can never sacrifice enough. Jesus was saying that the Pharisees had their hearts untouched by God. They they followed the law, but if they were really right with God, they would show mercy toward those who were lost and not merely just point out their fallenness. That's convicting. That's convicting because we can all gravitate toward the thoughts and intentions of the Pharisees. One more thing to note about Jesus' answer here. When Jesus says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners, he's not saying that the Pharisees are righteous. He's only highlighting their own blindness or illness, which is their belief that they are righteous on their own by what they're doing. In fact, that is probably the most dangerous illness to have because there is no perceived need for healing. We are all unrighteous, and if we believe we are righteous before God on our own standing, we are strongly deluded. So beware if you think you are not in need of Jesus as the healer of your sin because you think you are doing okay on your own before God. We need to watch that, church. We don't want to become a church of Pharisees. We want to become like our Lord. We want to be true friends of sinners. Let's go on to the the next point. The reason for the party. All right, this is the remaining part of the text, verses 14 to 17. The reason for the party comes from a question about fasting. Here's the question in verse 14. Then the Pharisees of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? I don't want to go into great detail about what fasting is, so let's just say fasting was associated with devotion to God. Right? If, if you were serious about God, you probably fasted. And it's also associated with, with distress or mourning. Right? And so if there was something that, that you were grieved over, something that you were mourning about, you fasted. Right? So Jesus answers this question with three different illustrations. The first is is a wedding in verse 15. And Jesus said to them, 
Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bride is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So, So the reason that the disciples of Jesus don't fast is because of one thing. Jesus. Jesus. He he is the one, the Jews, and as they would discover, the rest of the world was waiting for. Jesus compares himself to the groom who arrives to the wedding so the celebration can begin. It's interesting as well that God paints himself as a groom in the Old Testament toward his people, the bride. It's very fitting for the God-man here to do the same. Jesus here is the reason why tax collectors and sinners can have a party. Because Jesus, the friend of sinners, is here and he is the one who can take away the sins of the world. The second illustration is a patch in verse 16. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. This illustration and the next teach how you can't mix the old and the new. Right? Obviously, a patch that, that has, to be, has to be shrunk first before it's put on an old garment, because if not, it's going to shrink, and then it's going to tear. Pretty basic. The third illustration is a wineskin. Verse 17, neither is there new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. And so in the fermentation process, it would start in sort of a a vat or a container, but then it would be moved to animal skins. And because new animal skins would still have their elasticity, they, they could expand when the gases of fermentation are produced. So if you put new wine into old brittle wineskins, they won't be able to hold it. They'll, they'll burst as, as the process of fermentation is going on. By Jesus' authority, his established authority, he is ushering in the kingdom of God. The old ways of sacrifice will be done away with because those pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross. He would be the all-sufficient sacrifice for all sin, for all who will believe. Jesus was saying that you can't take the old habits and forms and stick the kingdom of mercy and joy inside them that he brought What Jesus has brought breaks all the molds of of religion as we know it. That would include Judaism. That's because the religions 
that are, are prominent are based on our performance or ability to get to God through our own efforts. And that's what Judaism had turned into because of the, the religious leaders of the day. People-centered religion says, do this or don't do that and you'll be accepted. Gospel Christianity says, you can be accepted right now just as you are. Just like Matthew in that tax booth. People-centered religion says, Change is possible if you work hard enough. Gospel Christianity says change is definite because of the transforming power of Jesus. He started a good work in everyone he calls, and he'll see it through to completion to the day of Christ. Gospel Christianity is the good news that since we could never get to God on our own efforts, God has come to us, and his name is Jesus. So a party is an order for sinners, and we are all sinners, each and every one of us. Jesus compares himself to a doctor. It's a... An illustration that's much better fitted in that time frame and not in ours. Because today, you know, you've got to call and get an appointment and you have to go to the doctor. They don't come to you, right? Doctors in, in that time went to the sick, not the other way around. Jesus comes to us as needy people, sick with sin, and he offers us forgiveness and healing. Jesus is the doctor to the sick in sin, making house calls because he loves mercy. He loves mercy. And when you follow him and keep following him, you will always, always have reason to celebrate. Let's pray. Father, surely our sins can often hang our countenance, lower it down. As we grieve over it. But Lord, help us to remember that we are we are people of celebration. We have a God who is the friend of sinners. No matter if we feel like we are a light sinner or a special breed of sinner, our Lord Jesus is the doctor to each and every one of us for the sickness of our sin and the healing that our hearts long for. So, Father, may we May we turn from the sin that has entangled us and, and lowered our countenance. And may we 
continue forward in following Jesus Christ. Knowing that he does not distance himself from sinners, but remains close as our friend with unconditional acceptance and more mercy than we could ever ask for. May we live in that joyful reality, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.